Hello, everybody. This is Curtis with Campfire Tales, Cryptids of America. And uh, today I have a special guest with me. She is, uh, her name is Brenda. And um, she is the official historian of a small town where I grew up in, in North Texas. I guess North Central Texas. A town called Greenview. And if you ever get a chance to go there, it's the place to be. Anyhow, um, Brenda's going to tell us uh, about um, what's called the Mystery Grave. And she's going to do a little history about the town itself. Okay. Brenda, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Yes. All right. Well, okay. I want to thank you for coming on here. And, and um, you know, feel free to get started anytime you want, okay? Okay. All right. I will. Uh, well, this story uh, began uh, 152 years ago, May the 31st, 1867. The day that this started, it was a dark and stormy day, and the settlement of Grandview was founded in 1850. It was not very large then. It had a small store, James Sterlock store, and had a few scattered farm cabins with a road leading in and out. This road was very narrow, but it was well-traveled because it was on the main route across the prairie. Another store was a S.A. Richard store, was a mile west of the Skirlock store, and still in Hamburg, General Merchandise store, Lewis Goins Blacksmith shop, and a small log wagon church, and the cemetery was the nucleus of the settlement. The town was trying to grow with people coming in and out, and coming from the Civil War, most of them were fleeing from that. They were bringing their families, and they were traveling in covered wagons, horseback, and buggies and carts. The post office of 1867 was located about one mile north of the present site of the town of Grandview. This overlooked the prairie and vast and tall grasses that inspired John Whitmire in 1854 to exclaim, what a grand view. And that's how Grandview got its name. On this fateful day in history of 1867, a young man and woman rode into the small settlement on two well-bred looking horses. They both showed that they could had riding skills and the woman was riding side saddle. The woman was a very striking looking lady she was young, and she was wearing an expensive, bright red velvet riding habit. She was very quiet and offered no information when asked her name. Someone declared that they thought they saw tears trickling from the corners of her eyes, but this could have been from the long ride and the dust of the trail. The man was also well-dressed and tended to business of buying supplies, and he too was closed-mouthed and kept his words only to the business at hand. It was noticed a young woman stepped forward, and she paid for all of the supplies. One could tell that the horses were of fine quality, and they were winded for many miles of hard riding. The day was threatening, and lightning was striking the ground. The wind was blowing. A terrible storm was brewing at the time. The couple were asked to stay the night, under closed shelter, but the man quickly said no. They must be on their way, for many miles were yet to be traveled. 
and they left, riding to the east. The next day, not far from the settlement, the woman's body was found by Chambers Creek by a man. A bullet wound was found in her temple. The man that had been traveling her with her that day before had disappeared. The horses and the supplies were also missing. When the citizens of the town heard about the tragic incident, they all wondered who this woman was and why she and her companion chose to come into a little small settlement of Grandview. But the main question was, where was the man who had accompanied her? The night before, a heavy rainstorm had erased the tracks of the disappearing horses and the man. So nothing was left to trace which way the man had gone. The woman's red violet riding habit was covered in blood, and the only identification was a small handkerchief that revealed the name of Annie embroidered into a corner. After the body of the woman was brought back into town, the women of the settlement prepared her for burial. Since the clothes were heavily stained with Annie's blood, Mrs. Josephine Boyd hurriedly made a dress for her to be buried in. In Matt Hale, Matthew Hale, a carpenter, made a coffin for her. The bureau was in a hurry. A process, for in this day and time, no preparation of embalming the body was used, and the weather was beginning to be very warm that day because it was in June. Close to June. It was May the 31st. The woman was buried on June the 1st, 1867. A large, curious crowd attended this mysterious funeral. Annie was buried near the Robinson and the Du Bois gravesite. Mrs. Du Bois was also named Annie. The woman's red riding habit was hung in a nearby tree, hoping that a passerby might recognize it, and so willingly would be able to identify the woman and disclose what part of the state she came from. A few days later, the strangest part of the mystery occurred when two large, long, cone-shaped stones of unusual rock were placed in the ground and at the hood, head and foot of the grave. On one of the stones, the name of Annie was carved. These rocks were placed there by unseen hands and persons. The stones are now covered in green moss. They are still at this grave today and buried so deep that no one has ever been able to remove them. One of the stones is embedded into a massive oak tree that sprouted there and covers the grave. The name Annie is now gone, a race by time. Many years ago, a young man spoke and said that he went out with his big truck, and he thought the power of that truck would help him pull one of those stones out of the grave. He roped a rope around it, and he tried and tried and tried, but the stones never moved. In 1867, 100 years after Annie's death, or 1967, a granite marker was placed by Modern Monument Works of Cleveland by Floyd Langford on the grave of Mystery Annie. This site has been visited over these many years by hundreds of people asking who was this lovely young lady. 
who rode into a settlement of Old Grandview and met such a terrible fate. This part of the cemetery is covered in shade and squirrels run and crows come to pick up the acorns that have fallen from the many oak trees. It is always cool and damp here, and one wonders if Annie has ever had someone visit her grave many years ago and mourn over her and ask her for forgiveness. What happened to the man who was with her? That is still a mystery. Is he the one who committed this crime and left her all alone to plead for help and then lay dying, bleeding to death? Was he the one who placed the long cone-shaped stones at her grave? Had she been robbed of the money she carried, or was her death an accident? A hundred and fifty-two years ago, and still unanswered questions. For many, many well, years, I have passed. Okay, uh, I will go with a few people that contacted me over the years and tried to tell me that maybe this young woman was part of their family. The first one was an older man, a Mr. Gibson. And he came and he just knew that one time ago he had dreamed a dream. And bless his heart, he tried so hard. He brought everything that he could think of to let me know that this lady was part of his family. I think he'd heard a story, if I remember right, and uh, he thought that someone had told him that they had lost a relative in this way. But for all of his work and all of his talking about it, nothing was ever materialized. Uh, he even came down, I think, in 1998, and I visited with him, and he wanted to go out to the cemetery. And uh, his son and his daughter-in-law came with him, and he was indeed an elderly man. I'd probably say he was about 87. He was pretty spry. Uh, his mind just seemed to be good. But he wanted to go out and visit his grave, and we did. He went out there, and he took pictures and uh he was so excited because he just knew some words somehow. I talked to his son at the time, and he said, you know, we've tried to uh, tell Dad that we don't think there's any, um, re you know, any relationship at all. But said he got interested in this story. He heard it somewhere. And he said we just could not have the heart because it seemed like it kind of kept him going to think, you know, that, he might have a interest somewhere and that he might could uh, have some kind of, you know, something that he could research more than anything. I had another couple that came and visited me, and they were very, very, very sure. Uh, they just knew that uh, this relative was uh, theirs. Uh, that was in 2006. And we became great friends with these people. And they came to my house, and we visited, and we, too, went out to the grave site, and we talked to them. They were from Arlington, Texas, and they had brought some proof that maybe this could be a tie into long-lost relatives. They even had a DNA specialist in their family, and this person had inquired and defined the resources to have the remains exhumed and performing some lab tests. But then they found the cost was beyond their finances. So we visited the grave site, and they were so impressed with a history of the Mr. Graves, and has been carried on through many, many years. 
But the main story that has really, I still believe to this day, is the lady from Pleasanton, Texas. I have the letter right in front of me. And she wrote this letter, and she told me she just knew, just knew that this girl was bound to be a girl that they had searched for all of those many, many years. The letter is 2003, May 16th. And she writes, The first time I heard about a young girl in a red writing habit was from my dad's oldest sister, about 1976 or 77. I really don't remember, she said. We went to visit with her. And Dad's niece must have been on her mind because she said to me, Corinne, Papa had a niece that he was so fond of. He bought her a red velvet riding habit and a very good horse and a saddle. Then one day she got dressed up in her red velvet riding habit and got on her horse and rode away. She was never seen or heard from again. Now that is all my aunt said, and I did not ask her any questions. To me, it was someone that had been missing a very long time, and I knew that God knew where she was and what had happened to her. About a year or so later, her article was printed in the San Antonio Light newspaper. This paper is no longer in print, and I have searched for it. I did find a San Antonio Light paper that was at that time, but there was no evidence of that story. But it's about that time, the story of the beautiful young lady in a red velvet riding habit. It was quite a long article. And now at this time, my aunt was in a nursing rest home on the north side of San Antonio. And I put the paper away somewhere, and I have not found it since, much to my sorrow. I wanted to show it to her. From time to time, I've looked for it. And about a year from that time, my aunt passed away. You see, at that time, I was taking care of my parents, and it was hard to get away. About ten years later, a cousin of mine was putting together the Keene family tree, and she wrote to me, and she asked me, who was Ann Keene? And I told her uh, she found her on the tax roll in Brackenville, Texas, where our grandfather, Joshua Keene, was living with his mother. Many families, um, wait a minute, Mary Jameson King and a 10-year-old niece named Ann King. And on the next census, she could not find Ann's name anywhere. Now, out of the years, and in 1868, Ann would have been about 20 years old. And since the mystery, Ann died in 1867, that would make her 19 if she was our own Anne. One weekend, my sister-in-law got on the Internet and found this story that I'm sending you. I thought the murder of Anne was at Granbury, but since that article came out about Grandview, I knew it was Grandview, Texas. At this time, I am 73 years old and wish this mystery could be solved, but the only way I know it could be done would to bring her body up and see if they could find any place to get any DNA, maybe from a tooth, and then for me to give blood and see if we could get a match. The only thing I would be is her second cousin, 
and I don't know if that is too distant. The biggest problem is I don't have that kind of money, and I don't know of anybody in our family that does. My cousin Shirley Keene Stepp never got to finish the Keene family. She died about two years after she started it. My youngest brother and his wife told me they would take me up there in the middle of September to visit Anne's grave because she believes, and I believe, that that is our Annie. And she told me to ask, she asked me, all I want of you is to let me know if this grave is in, still in Grandview, Texas. And I wrote her back. Her name is Connie Keen Suggs. And I wrote her back, and we corresponded for some time, and she just kept telling me she just knew and knew. Well, then I told her, I sent her the story that I had written, and I told her about the rocks being put at the end of the grave, in the uh, foot of the grave, in the head of the grave. And she wrote me back, and she said, what kind of rocks are they? And I said, well, they look like long rocks, shaped, and uh, like rocks that hang out of a cave. She said, that is very odd, because really and truly, we have those rocks here. She said, in Brackenville, they have several caves, and I think they call them stagnants. I may have pronounced that wrong. But she said that reminds me of some of the rocks that I've seen people put at the cemeteries around here and inscribe the names on them. And so that became really more for her. She became more excited, thinking that those stones were actually something that came from this area of Brackenville and down in that part of the country. And so that is the story I could go on and add a few more things, but that is the main story right there of the uh, grave of um, of Annie. Like I said, this is a little bit longer, but I won't go into that. But she just knows this lady here. I'm going to try to visit her this year if I can and see if I can talk to her a little bit more. I pray that she is still alive because this was... Uh, and what year did I say? 2003. So uh, her health was good then. But she did remember once when she was talking to an older person in the family that her uncle told them, they said, well, why do you, he was so worried about Annie and not heard from her or anything and said, why do you worry so much? He said, well, the man that she was traveling off with was no count. And so from that time forward, they knew then, you know, something maybe had happened to her because she never returned. And at the end of the story, I just said that we'll never know the true story because we don't have all the information. Only God knows the answer. And the grave of Annie is still a mystery in Grandview, Texas. Well, How about that? That's, oh, that's great. Hey, uh, of all the people who have contacted you, has anybody ever contacted you about, you know, uh, saying don't do this or being threatening to you or anything like that? Uh, well, I had a man sometime not too long ago. It's after I moved here. He called me on the phone. I cannot remember 
he said that he um, lived outside of Grandview. I know, on the other side of Cleburne, I think is what he said. But he had visited Grandview. I think he had became interested in that. And that uh, he said, you know, I don't think people need to be going out there and disturbing that. That's a historical marker. And I said, well, yes, it is. And I said, I've told people that, too. Uh, the young man, um, I won't reveal his name, but he was from Grandview, kind of a little upstart of a kid. And he was uh, told me he was going to try again. And I told him, I said, leave that alone, because that is the property of Grandview, Texas, and you might get in trouble. So he never did bother it again. But people have gone out there around and dug around it and thinking maybe there might be something uh, maybe they thought that she had some jewelry or something on or something like that. So, uh, you know, I've, I've not been threatened, but uh, I've told them myself to leave it alone because it's a sacred site and uh, really a historical site for the city of Grandview because at first that's where Grandview was located. Uh, and then uh, the railroad came through. And the town of Grandview moved, started moving in 1881, and the uh, move was complete in 1883. And they moved a mile away to be close to the railroad. And uh, so that was one, you know, one of that. But the uh, grave is still out there in the Grandview Cemetery uh, to this day. And I haven't been out there recently, but I think they take pretty good care of it. Now, I've been out there several times, you know, because, you know, growing up there, you know, you hear of the mystery grave and, and first oh, yeah. one thing and another. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've gone out there and, um, you know, as, as a curiosity and, you know, to me, first of all, cemeteries are hallowed ground, you know, yes. and you, you don't go out there poking around, you know, go pay right. respect right. and leave. Um, That's right. So, so how long do you, do you think the, the the body had been buried before the stones appeared? Well, it says one day. It says wow. the next day the stones were there. And that's one thing I can't understand. Uh, that has always been a mystery to me. Uh, did he bring those stones with him? Because they're not from this area. We don't have stones like that in this area. So no, that was a... And I, I agree. I think, they, I, I think they do look like the uh, stalactites or stalagmites, yes, whatever they yes. might be, that hang yes. down. I guess right. tights because stalactites, they're holding on tight. Yeah, that's what you yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. Not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is great. Absolutely. Um, okay. Is there uh, your website or your email address in the event that somebody wants to buy a book from you? That, Would well, you like okay. To give that out? Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is uh, all small letters. It's B R E N J at Hughes H U G H E S dot net. Okay. B R E N J. Yes. At Hughes dot net. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, I want to give an incredible shout-out to my good friend Brenda for the amazing interview she gave us. And uh, 
want to thank you guys for joining in and remember to uh, subscribe uh, like and uh, share <laughs> hit that button over on the other side i think it's the left corner it looks like a little bell i'll let you know when we have other things coming up and uh, be sure and check in the descriptions i've included brenda's email address and also links to several different uh, Sasquatch and alien merchandise that uh, that are available to you through our program. Okay, and uh, once again, thank you very much. This is Curtis, and uh, God bless, and have a great night. Bye.